Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, a very special guest joins me to discuss what we can expect from the aircraft cabins of the future. I'm joined by Dr. Joe Leader, CEO of the Airline Passenger Experience Association, or APEX, to take a deep dive into what we can look forward to in the cabins of the future and what passenger wish list items are just not going to happen. Joe, welcome to the show. Joanna, thank you so much for having me today. It's a delight. Would you like to begin by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and about APEX and what you guys do? Certainly. APEX, the Airline Passenger Experience Association, is one of the largest international airline associations in the world. We have every major airline and every major supplier and have for over 40 years. And our job is to advance the future of passenger experience. So we've been very delighted by some of the things that we've been able to accomplish over the years. And it's wonderful to be on the show with you today. Fantastic. We're absolutely over the moon to have you. So let's start with um, a point of discussion. What is it that airlines are still getting wrong? Obviously, cabins have come a really long way, um, but we've seen some real backtracks as well in the recent years. Things that spring to mind for me, for example, American Airlines and their Project Oasis, if we dare mention that one. Um, they're squeezing the legroom out of economy class, removing IFE screens from, from the aircraft. And there seems to be a general trend. Airlines want to squeeze as many passengers as possible onto the aircraft. You know, Ryanair's looking forward to the first delivery of its MAX 200, which will be the most dense MAX aircraft in the skies. Um, Cebu Pacific are looking at an A330 with 460 passengers. That's almost as many as a Boeing 747. So, insanity, really. What do you think is still not going right with airlines and their cabin designs, Joe? I think some of the things that are going wrong is that they're forgetting about what the passenger really wants is enough space and enough escape to make the flight experience enjoyable to make it pass more quickly. Now, on the Oasis cabins done by American, there are some good things and bad things. Everyone focuses on how the density is increased, but what they often do not look at is how American has carved out more space for passengers and provided, for example, power and uh, connect, connect high-speed connectivity options that were not there in the past. I think one of the market leaders in this space is Delta Airlines, and what they're doing is really increasing the number of screens, increasing the number of space options. And that's where I think you're going to see some market leaders start to make tracks to in the future. If you ask me for even Cebu Pacific and others that are going for these ultra-dense con uh, configurations, as we've seen in this in the past, passengers will try them out once, but often move back to other options once they realize they don't simply want the lowest price, they want the best value. And I think their uh, airlines really are beginning to understand that more and more. You've heard in the news some airlines reconsidering decisions, and I, I hope they continue to do so. If you ask me, by the end of the 2020s, we'll see more seatback solutions than ever before because we're coming up to a generation of 
extremely thin screens that are nearly as thin as heat-backed plastics by the time you look uh, in eight to nine years out. So even some airlines have taken off in-flight entertainment, maybe putting it right back on. That's a very good point, actually. You know, the technology for OLED screens and things like that, it's advancing in leaps and bounds. And many of the arguments about uh, seatback screens adding to CO2 emissions and fuel burn, all those are going to disappear. Well, with any luck, once they start bringing these ultra thin, ultra lightweight screens to market. So I certainly hope too, Joe, that we're able to see some some more seatback screens coming back on airlines. You know, as much as I don't mind using my tablet, it is nice to have your actual physical screen there that you can touch and interact with during the flight. It is indeed. So what are they doing right? Um, What have we seen implemented in the past few years that's a really big PaxX win? I was thinking about this and I think, you know, one of the biggest things we've seen over the last decade or so is a massive improvement in the business class facilities. Um, You know, almost every airline now is starting to implement products that have direct aisle access, lie flat. Um, You know, we've seen British Airways with the new Club World on the A350, Virgin's new upper class on the A350 both fabulous products. And lest we forget Delta One, Polaris, the Q-Suite, you know, they've really upped their game in the premium configurations. Um, Where does this go from here, Joe? You know, is is there any more improvement to be made at the pointy end of the plane? Certainly. So on the front of the aircraft, I agree. That's where we've seen the most improvements. And what I'd like to see for all passengers is for those types of innovations to be brought to other types of seating configurations. So privacy has become the new lie flat seat for the decade ahead of us. So even in the Crystal Cabin Awards, there are there are first class seat configurations. So these are traditional, um, what I would call uh, European Union or US style first class seats where they're simply reclined back, but they provide more privacy to each of the passengers. That is going to become more the norm as you see more business class and even reclining first class focus on privacy. One of the greatest implementations I've seen done for um, economy class passengers is one that I hope that Ryanair and others follow. So Spirit launched at Apex Expo this past fall. They launched a new series of acro seats that have give each passenger in the existing space more room more tray table, more comfort, more built-in recline, and all of this in a lighter seat um, certified by the Ergonomics Institute to be much more comfortable for passengers. That's where I believe we have a great ray of light moving forward, is that on more aircraft, you'll see the middle seat be a wider seat. On more aircraft, you'll see options that I've seen um, shown in Asia that I'm encouraging Asian airlines to implement, which is a seat that has the middle seat slightly different in terms of configurations. It's pulled a little bit forward or a little bit back. Uh-huh. And that makes it so that you don't have to fight for elbow room. And so that, that would, would be fantastic. <laughs> it would be. It's making it so that we, I believe in democratizing the advances in the front of the aircraft should absolutely be making it to every cabin, even on ultra low cost carriers. And that's what I believe our airlines will be um, getting right, they're getting right now, and I hope to see that continue to spread. 
That's great. I mean, I think, you know, business class leads the way for the improvements that we see going on towards the back of the plane. You know, it was notable notable when I went on a a flight on the Virgin A350 that although they'd made the most improvements at the front of the plane, they'd made an awful lot in the cabins further back as well. And, you know, the whole experience, they'd obviously thought about what economy passengers are looking for. And these staggered middle seats, I think that's a game changer, really. You know, it's uh, something really interesting interesting that I certainly as well hope to see a lot more of in the future. Um, The big question is, though, do you think these airlines will be charging more for those middle seats? I don't think so. I mean, if you look at how seats are done right now, they have a harder time moving the middle seats. And typically your passengers have complained if they get stuck in a middle seat. So what I believe the middle seat will become is one where, okay, I don't have an aisle, I don't have a window, but I have a little bit more room. And it's an, it's a great equalizer in especially in aircraft that are in a configuration where you that passenger will want the seat. And one of the other innovations that I was uh, in the U.S. Congress talking about with Spirit as well is making it so that in the back of the aircraft they've done a great job. They're one of they're the um, largest fleet in the U.S. having we, single aisle wheelchair accessible aircraft, so that the two restrooms in the back of the aircraft where there's an individual with a wheelchair, it's simply, um, it's a duo. So it comes down between the two. So I think that innovations like that, if you as an airline can do something inexpensively, it serves the most passengers possible, for example, having two bathrooms, and then have a duo configuration where it comes together that serves those that need wheelchair accessibility, that's a great forward step that doesn't cost very much money. Absolutely. I mean, I think the accessibility issue is one that's been plaguing airlines for the longest time. And really, it's about time they sorted that one out. Another thing we've seen really sort of rise up in the last few years is the new cabin, which is premium economy. And I think the majority of carriers are now either they've implemented it or they're looking to implement it soon, um, particularly the mainline sort of legacy carriers. And this is, you know, it's it's not just an extra legroom seat. Um, if you haven't flown premium economy, do check it out because it's generally an absolutely different seat with a whole different amount of recline, a footrest, a bigger screen. And on top of that, you get different soft products as well. So you're looking at a new menu, better bedding. You know, is this something that we're going to see continue into sort of the the future aircraft cabins, do you think? Yes, because the gap between economy seats and business class seats, there's too much of a price gap there. There need need to be different levels that passengers can afford that are in the middle. And what I like about premium economy is it's pretty much what business class was flying internationally 10 or 20 years ago. It's That's right. greater greater recline. You have typically you have your own um, your, your own leg rest and other amenities that are very high end and a greater service touch. So yeah. I, I think it's a great I think it's a great in the middle solution and I hope that some of the innovations that are done in this space is I believe premium economy could become a flexible space. So for example, there are the new butterfly seats which allow it so that a passenger in premium economy could go into more of a bed mode like um very much like business class by using the seat beside them. So if you're traveling uh-huh. well with your significant other, then you can have um, have the comfort of being able to go into bed mode versus if you're traveling next to another business cl- traveler, you simply leave it in normal recline. 
That sounds fantastic. I'd not heard of butterfly seats. So uh, for our listeners, I will find an image and I will place that on the article that accompanies the podcast if you want to check it out. So the other thing I just wanted to mention as a final point on what airlines are doing right now, as we've seen the massive improvements in business class, we've also seen a removal of first class on an awful lot of airlines with their new deliveries. And this, is, this isn't this is kind of, you know, American domestic first class, which is just a bigger seat or a seat with the middle one blocked out. This is proper international first class, which, you know, is kind of quite often a closed off suite or, you know, something really special. It's, it's like even Etihad's the residence. Um, do you think there's room for first? I mean, the, the business class has gotten that good. Is first class, is it day, are its days numbered? It, it honestly depends upon the route. So there are certain routes where premium passengers are happy to pay the price premium for something even more exclusive, more intimate. On routes where the, the flight time is not sufficient or the experience differential is not sufficient, I believe that you'll see more and more first-class cabins pulled on those routes. But it, it, an example here in the United States is there has been a resurgence of first-class on routes, be, for example, between New York and LA, where ah. you have first business and economy on single-aisle aircraft. And yeah. I would not have imagined that, and it's doing quite well across the board. That's incredible. And uh, you wouldn't expect it on a domestic flight, but good news for those travellers, definitely. So moving on, we're going to have a look at some of the aircraft cabins of the future, what we could expect from um, flying in the future. One of the best places to go for really innovative ideas and concepts for aircraft cabins is, of course, the Crystal Cabins Awards. Um, So we had, Joe and I had a look at some of the uh, submissions this year. So we just wanted to talk through a couple of those and some of the suggested designs and really how realistic these are. Joe, do you want to start? I mean, pick a product. (laughs) Certainly. Well, I have to give a disclosure first. Since I'm a judge on the Crystal Cabin Awards, um, I have to, as I go through each of these, I'm going to give pros and cons from a public eye point of view and not do anything. I try not to um, indicate uh, where I'm leaning on these products as we go through. But let's go ahead and start with uh, what I think is, what, I always like the university um, uh, products. And if yeah. you look at uh, Delphi University, they did a live flat bunk bed seating collapsible bed project that visually, it, as you look at it, it looks quite compact and quite creative. <laughs> That's putting uh, it but, politely. <laughs> well, yes. And this is this is where why I love university products is that uh, they really think differently. They say, you know what, if the priority is for passengers to have their own space, if you can imagine this is pretty much taking existing economy space going upward and making it so that passengers are able to have their own cocoon, so to speak, in a vertical manner, yeah, it, the the initial seat concept does not look super comfortable out of the gate, but it does. If you're looking to lie down and sleep and have your own personal space, boy, it's it's at a price point because of the design that will probably be very much where economy is now. It's remarkable that they were able to come up with that type of creativity. 
Yeah. How consumers and airlines feel about that, I'm, I will have to see. <laughs> it's a very interesting concept. And, uh, you know, as you say, it's one that takes up no extra space. You've got the same number of passengers per sort of square meter of cabin or whatever. So it, from an airline's point of view, it's a win-win. You know, passengers get to lie down and airlines get to fill as, as many seats as they did before. It will be really interesting to see if this comes to fruition and whether people are as willing to try that out as they think. Um, I did read something from uh, from the Delft University that said they even had old age pensioners climbing the ladders to get into the top bunk. Listeners, if you haven't seen this, I will include some images in our um, our write-up on the website. So do check out the website to, to see what these look like if you haven't already. Personally, I feel like that's a little too compact for me. But you know, it's a lie-flat bed in an economy-class cabin, so you can't complain too much. <laughs> right, because if you take up more room, if you want it to be more spacious, then there's a price premium for that. That goes to one of the other, um, you know, lie-flat beds from Air New Zealand. It's uh, it's a really a bunk bed for budget travelers. And what I really like about it is that instead of being a cocoon for each individual, they make it almost like a hotel style sleeping pod where there's an open area so that there's almost a common area between everyone. You can see everyone more easily. Yeah. And so a little bit less privacy. They use privacy curtains um, instead, instead for each of the passengers, but it will take up more space in the process. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so I'm guessing that that will come at a higher price because the airline needs to make up for the passengers that it hasn't sold seats for. Um, this one, if you haven't heard of, it's the Sky Nest. And uh, it's something that Air New Zealand is actually looking to implement. So rather than the TU Delft stuff, which is very much a concept, this is something that Air New Zealand thinks it can make work. And, and it's an airline, you know, if any airline can make it work, it's Air New Zealand. They were the ones that came up with the Sky Couch. They've, they're well known for their innovation. So it will be really interesting to see if that actually works. Um, and to be honest, they don't look too much worse than maybe a, a backpacker's hostel or a, a sleeper compartment on a train. So it could be a goer, depending on the price point, I'd say. I would agree. And it kind of, uh, Air New Zealand has been an innovator in this space with their Sky Couch. And that brings us to another concept for family style sleeping which is a double bed that's done by Aiden Aerospace. What they've done is they've made it so it's an extended sky couch. So if you have three seats in a row, you could make it so instead of just two people sleeping, you could have two adults and a child sleeping and it's still comfortable. Yeah. And what I like about the Aiden uh, idea is it's much more of a traditional airline seating configuration. And what passengers don't tend to realize is Really, it's about standardization that makes it easier for the airlines to maintain, to sell, to make sure that they keep costs low. And I like the Aidant Aerospace concept for that reason. It, it fits with what they know, yet advances the amount of sleeping space to a double bed style. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And it would be interesting to see it in practice. I do hope it gets to the stage where they build a scale model um, because the models in the imagery they use look fairly slim and fairly um, compact people. I'm wondering how it would work with larger people involved and, uh, you know, whether you could get all three of the family to agree on time to go to bed or not. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And that's one of the other things is I like, you know, I, I view the Aidant option as one where, 
you might enable a passenger to book three seats for two, or for certain passengers, it might be more comfortable and easier at a much better price point to simply book three seats rather than take the leap to business class. So that's that's where I, I see this has potential. But again, it's uh, it's making sure that the airline in doing the innovation makes it makes it so that it's able to be sustained by the marketplace. Absolutely. Oh, it's an interesting concept and one that we'll be watching for sure. Were there any more of the Crystal Cabin Awards that really stood out for you, Joe? One of the areas that is constantly overlooked is people don't really think about their flight attendants the way that they should. And so there's a zero-G flight attendant seat that I very much think is a great innovation for flight crew. It, trying to give a visual description of it, if you can imagine, we all see flight attendants in these very, very uncomfortable, straight, upright seats. And when you're serving passengers and then that's your seat to go back to while you're during ser- during service. That's not the best approach to maintain pretty much the freshness of your cabin staff and being able to best take care of customers. Right. The zero G seat takes existing space in front of an emergency exit door. Once you're at flight level, it goes down into almost a zero G style recliner chair. Now, I believe that this is a great innovation because it provides immediate ease of access Flight attendants, when they sit down, they can immediately pop back up if there's a call button or call light, and it keeps them more refreshed. So I like things that really do a job, good job taking care of our team members across airlines, just as well as we try to take care of our passengers. Absolutely. You know, it's about time there was something for the flight attendants. I I don't envy their feet by the end of a long haul flight at all. Um, And this is a great product. I think that, you know, if it does get brought to market, it's something that looks fairly easy to retrofit to existing aircraft. You know, something that isn't going to require a complete redesign of the cabin or a huge amount of investment. And it's going to be a real plus for our flight attendants. So, Fingers crossed that one gets pushed forward. Um, I agree. And there's one last area we haven't talked about, which is using the cargo bay for (laughs) beds. Yeah, we've covered this a bit on Simple Flying. There's been a couple of um, concepts have popped up in recent years for using something in the cargo bay. Airbus came up with a concept and and another company called Earth Bay also came up with a concept which looked incredible. The the Earth Bay concept actually has floor-to-ceiling windows, so you've got a a kind of private lounge in the cargo bay with a a floor-to-ceiling window of the ground below you. I mean, that looks super cool, but how realistic is this? Uh, surprisingly, because of the new ultra long range flying we're going to see, I think it's more realistic than it might have otherwise been. What we have to do is we have to have a flexible flight bay. So, for example, making it so that if you have cargo that can use that space, that it can be easily used, but making it also so that if you're on an ultra long range aircraft that cannot go to maximum cargo capacity, it's a great use of space. And I believe passengers will be willing to pay to pretty much rent um, additional sleeping space or space um, on an hourly basis. So that's probably the most fair way to do things. And Mm. I think it's a great approach to monetize when passengers buy a ticket, they might want the lowest price economy. But if, if if they're on the flight and would like to purchase an hour or two of lie flat sleep, I will tell you that is the one time that many customers will 
open their wallet, say, you know what, that's the best money I could spend today. Oh, definitely. When you've been sitting there for several hours already and all you want is a bed, I think I'd be putting my hand in my pocket too. And uh, I completely agree with you. You know, the, when we featured these on Simple Flying, a lot of people argued, well, surely cargo is worth more than passengers. But these kind of Project Sunrise type flights, if and when they happen, you know, they can't go with a full load of cargo. So it's absolutely going to be wasted space, which they can employ to make their passengers happy. So fingers crossed, that's something that we see in the future. Absolutely. And speaking of the future, do you want to talk a little bit about environmental advanced concepts? Well, this is a really hot topic for aviation, you know, not just the flight shame and the CO2, but all of the environmental impacts of your flights. And we've seen an awful lot of airlines really diving into things like plastic, single-use plastic-free flights and flights that recycle and flights that don't use anything bad. And this is going to be a trend that is pushed even harder moving forward. You know, I think as we go through the next 10 years, airlines are going to have to pull out all the stops to prove to the flying public that they're not the big environmentally damaging monster that any everybody seems to think they are. So um, within the Crystal Cabin Awards, there was a couple of products that really jumped out at me. And one was these edible meal trays. Um, <laughs> and I, I guess really the, the message is not that you're supposed to eat the tray, but it's that the tray can be composted after. Uh, is that the right? Have I got my understanding right there, Joe? That's it. And, you know, I was I was making a joke to a friend the other day that it's not really a cup of coffee on an aircraft unless I can eat the cup as well. But <laughs> it's one of those things where I believe edible meal trays will hit a, a, a sweet spot of making people feel better. But to your point, it has to be composted otherwise uh, afterwards. Otherwise, it's actually doing um, damage to the environment. One of my favorite in-flight movies that I saw was Wasted, which showed that a head of lettuce, which you would think that would that would be easy for it to decompose in a landfill. It takes mm -hmm. 25 years wow. to decompose in a landfill and produces a tremendous, tremendous amount of methane in the process because it's... Um, decomposing in an oxygen depleted environment. So uh -huh. when we have something like an edible meal tray, it needs to be used on flights where they genuinely will be um, composted when they arrive at their destination. Otherwise, they unfortunately could be doing more harm than good to the environment. And, and it's, it's a hidden side. The other thing that um, IATA and Apex are lobbying for is to make it so that all of the waste, when we get to the end of an international flight, everything has to be thrown away. And it's a tremendous amount of waste simply because of um, food laws that were passed long ago and far away. But oh. edible meal trays are helpful. And the, the caveat there is so long as they're composted at the end, that's the big, big uh, asterisk I'd put next to it. Absolutely. And I suppose without some rule changes, the, the probability is that they are not going to be composted at the end of the flight. Well, I could imagine, for example, on intra-European flights, I could see that as a great option. On international flights, yes, you're correct. It's likely they're not, they're going to need to be right now incinerated for food safety standards until, until we come to a realization that probably if we're sending food between the U.S. and EU, it's probably safe. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not the food we should be burning. So right. um, <laughs> I hope we reach that point. And other things that passengers don't fully appreciate, and Airlines have done such a great job doing fuel reduction per passenger. We've reduced since the 1990s. 
we've reduced fuel burn per passenger over 53%. Mm-hmm. And part of that is thinking about how what ways on the aircraft that we can get rid of. So from Deal, there's a water recycling product for the laboratory that's genius. What it does is it takes, and this is in the Crystal Cabin Awards, it takes a um, takes water that's used for washing your hands and it reuses it as uh, dirty water to um, for for toilet flushes, which is mm-hmm. a great approach instead of having the same, you know, um, having fluids used separately for the two, why not reuse right there on board the aircraft to reduce overall aircraft takeoff and landing weight? Well, that sounds like a great concept. And it's something that a lot of people have in their own homes. You know, uh, it's not widespread, but it's certainly something that I'd love to install in my house is uh, this grey water recycling where you use kind of rainwater or bath water to flush the toilet. So it makes absolute sense to allow an aircraft to do that. So, yeah, I hope we see that one take off. I do as well. Fab. So one of the things that's really influencing the future of aircraft cabins and and I see really making an impact in the next decade is the increased connectivity we're seeing in terms of Wi-Fi and internet. Um, You know, you've got uh, a huge amount of the global fleet is now connected and it's increasing all the time. And the technology for for satellites and for for the connections that are being made is improving all the time. Um, So I know Airbus is kind of undertaking some in-flight testing of their Internet of Things connected cabin. What can we expect from a more connected cabin in the future, Joe? I think what airlines are driving towards with uh, an Internet of Things connected cabin and other concepts is to make your travel experience seamless. They should remember you as the individual that you are. You already have a smartphone, typically with their app, Mm -hmm. or if not their app, the ability to quite easily connect onto the aircraft. It'd be so nice to be able to remember the food and drinks that passengers like and to have them be ordered and to have it on a flight attendant pad as they go through. That way, doing the back and forth of what would you like to drink and they say what you have, that's minimized to passengers that are not connected. But on the IoT, I really think that goes to health. It goes to well-being. Um, We're seeing already, we're used to technologies on Apple Watches and other things that subtly monitor our health and well-being. I Uh think we'll see more of that as passengers have an increased appetite um, in the cabin. And I think you'll see... Um, a little bit more attentiveness to your personal preferences. It won't just be your app checks you into the flight and that's it. It's about making sure that you're served during the flight in the way that best suits you. That's so interesting. And I think, you know, it opens the door for so much innovation, you know, once there is that stable and constant internet connection on board. So, to finish off, Joe, um, I've loved having you on the show. I have to say this has been great. If I'm stepping onto an aircraft 10 years from now to a, for a long-haul flight somewhere across the world, what can I expect from the cabin? What do you think we'll see? I think, Joanna, that you'll see so many of the great innovations that we've talked about today. I mean, from a simple, simple flying perspective, it means that passengers are going to be able to get on board have more service options on board. So if they want to pay for a little bit more space, if they want to pay for a little bit more privacy, if they want to have their food concepts and beverage concepts centered around them, that will be all part of the seamless travel experience that we're driving forward at Apex. 
I believe that the airlines are investing heavily in this space and it's really bringing it, the competition is really bringing out the best in passenger service advancements. By the end of the 20s here, I think you're going to be having more and more the flight of your dreams as the pendulum, pendulum is now going in the opposite direction. There's been this removal of space. I think we're seeing more and more return of service and return of value. Oh, I certainly hope so. You know, there's a time and a place for a low-cost carrier, but uh, on your long-haul flights, I'd love to see everything returning back to how it was 20 years ago. (laughs) Indeed, I agree. (laughs) Joe, it's been absolutely fabulous to talk to you. I've really enjoyed having you on. So, thank you so much for coming on to the Simple Flying Podcast. Joanna, it's my honour. Thank you so much for having me on. Fantastic. That's it for today's podcast. So we do hope you enjoyed it and we welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.